The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Good Monday morning to all of you. Before we get started here, I just did what I think might be the best episode that I've ever done with John Hollinger, where we really, I grilled him for like an hour about what happens at the trade deadline in front offices. And in his experience, I thought of every incredibly granular question and just got into the absolute nitty gritty of the process and the negotiations and what they have prepared, what everyone's role is, how you know that you finally actually have it done, how you get information for other teams, how deals develop, offers are made. It's It was just everything I could possibly think of. And I, I learned a lot from it just talking to him. And I, I think you'll feel the same way if you listen to it. Just search Hollinger in your favorite podcast player. You'll find that if for some reason you are not subscribed yet. Also, our Patreon, patreon.com slash Duncan LaRue. We are into high gear now with that. With trade season, got the screenshots out of the salary situations for the Kings and the Blazers within, I think, probably about 30 minutes after that trade happened on Saturday. And that is what we need to talk about right now, Danny. Yeah, and it's the second straight mid-January trade that was a little bit perplexing to me. I think I think that's probably the right way to put it. I don't know if you felt differently, but I, I think it was probably pretty similar well why did you think it was perplexing i I didn't quite feel that way but we this is our first time actually talking since it happened so well what was i guess so i guess i should clarify what was perplexing to me about it originally actually let's give the terms first so the terms were portland traded kemp Bazemore, anthony tolliver and two second round picks to Sacramento for Trevor Reza, uh, Wendy Gabriel, Cable Swanigan. And what what was notable about it to me, what was interesting at first, before I thought about the savings element of it, was that I thought, it was like, why is another team trading for Trevor Reza thinking that Trevor Reza isn't, isn't the player that we've seen the last two years? But then the, the savings were a really big part of the story. Yeah, it was. Uh, Portland reducing their tax bill was around $24 million. Now it's down to $12 million. They lower their team salary by about $6 million. They had big in, and actually i should i should restate that because uh my calculations included yusuf nurkish's bonus that actually here i'm gonna just fucking cut that that was terrible yeah that tax bill in portland when you consider that yusuf nurkic is not going to get his 1.25 million dollar bonus for this year those could be hard to nail down at times goes from almost 20 million to about 7 million they cut about 6 million in team salary in the deal and that was Portland was going to be one of the biggest taxpayers and now uh, they get to something manageable we'll see whether in fact uh, they're able to continue to get completely out of the tax which given some of their salary commitments going forward might be good to try to avoid repeater tax status uh, for them they also are going to create about a seven million dollar trade exception um and uh, most importantly they got Caleb Swanigan back 
Yeah, super important. Uh, worth noting also that Trevor Reza, while Bazemore and Tolliver were expiring contracts, Ariza has 1.8 million, or they could, of course, keep him for 12.8. You and I both think that Trevor Reza is not worth that. But that does go on the books. And remember that Portland has this optionality potentially for using 2020 cap space or functioning as an over-the-cap team. They could they could always trade Ariza or they could stretch that 1.8 million if they wanted to. That's something Portland is very familiar with. They still have a bunch of stretch salary for including from Andrew Nicholson currently on their books so that but so that part of it is also somewhat notable but they're not projected to be a tax team really however it's done and also the idea that I had posited and this is something uh Seth Sam and I talked about in our, our Trailblazers trade thing was that they could use instead of using players like Kemp Bazemore and, and Hassan Whiteside as salary ballast for other reasons, they could also just use those players to take on, basically create another mid-level exception. You could think about it that way. Um, and they now can't do that with Trevor Reza because he cannot be aggregated. He would have to be traded by himself. And I don't know how, if they want to do that or if anybody else wants to do that. Um, so let's, let's so, so from Portland's perspective, the primary benefit here is saving is saving money. They also somehow thinned out their forward rotation, as, as I would put it, just because they traded two players who were who were in the rotation for one who isn't to me as good but for uh for sacramento i also think considering everything else i think this is a notable trade for them too well uh, i will take issue with you i actually think that there's a possibility a reason could help the blazers more than baysmore i think he's still better defensively than baysmore i still have actually think that he does a pretty good job when he has better positional size yeah yeah and that's part of the reason he can guard the best wing on the other team Bazemore is just a little bit smaller there and Kent Bazemore I mean he's having low-key one of the most disappointing seasons in the NBA shooting 35 percent from the field and 33 percent from three true shooting 48 percent 7.7 per I mean that is just really ugly numbers and it, his steal rate has helped them a little bit but overall I think uh, Ariza does more for them there and you know I think they're both uh, Ariza probably has a little bit more versatile of a three-point shot I think they're probably about the same type of level of shooter you know a 33 percent type of guy if you had to predict it going forward well, so it, I don't yeah. think this matters too much but I think Bazemore has played below my expectations and Ariza has played it about him and I think they've been similar levels of players I agree with you on the fit the defensive issue and so the idea for me is that Bazemore isn't this bad he hasn't been this bad before so anyway but I don't think that's yeah as as huge a part of the story what something you brought up on Twitter I believe it was you and, and uh, there's a there's a Bobby Marks uh, tweet that's also on point here is how this is the second year in a row that Trevor Ariza has been signed to a negative value contract however the team that traded him probably got positive value back for him which is so weird yeah. Now, the first one was actually because of the player where they got right. Ubre. This one is more about just a willingness to take out money. But it is a lesson here, as you always preach, years, not dollars, that, hey, if you make a mistake on someone, hey, he's, he's expiring basically the moment he's signed. And so if you need to move him or it just gives you a piece to kind of shuffle around on the chessboard like this, if needed, and the Kings, plenty of room below the tax still they also get off of the 1.8 million for him for next year which if they were to want to re-sign Bogdanovich use their mid-level that 1.8 million could actually come in handy for them who knows we may see big changes with the Kings uh, given uh how they are Hollinger and I both ruled them out of the playoffs <laughs> so uh today so that that means that they're clearly not making it but it's still really good piece of business for the Kings to take on I mean it's really you know what two million in actual cash and about five million in 
salary on the books at, at this point in time and to just get two second round picks for that at a time when portland may actually kind of suck uh, and i mean you never know that far out they could have traded dame Lillard and rebuilt already you know i mean uh, we thought memphis had no hope oh and we should clarify yeah. if we didn't mention it, these are their 2024 20, and 25 second rounds oh yeah did i i didn't, I didn't hear that. you yeah. say yeah. it so I just okay so sure so there. yeah so um and you know swanigan wasn't playing there hilariously swanigan's probably gonna actually play in portland they're that thin uh and this trade actually can't be consummated until tuesday because gabriel uh who was one of the only minimum salaries that Sacramento had. And so I think that's part of why it had to be him. He had just been signed. So there was a, uh, off a two way. So there was a restriction on, and he can't actually be traded until Tuesday. So it won't be consummated until then. Blazers had to go through a couple of games here, actually, with only eight players because of this. Tolliver was struggling. He, you know, I think he'll be a good vet in the locker room for Sacramento. So will Bazemore Ariza has kind of chafed it in these rebuilding situations like he did last year in Phoenix. So they upgrade a little bit there at a minimum so i see absolutely no downside here for sacramento your well, question is just yeah go ahead. there's something else that's funny here uh this is just the kind of thing that you pick up covering the warriors for more than a decade like i have is that even though tolliver has a previous connection to sacramento because he, he played there in 16 17 both of these players i believe if memory serves played on the warriors when vivek ronadive was a was a part owner of the warriors <laughs> so it, it ties back in there. There were a lot of those back uh, yeah. in the day with um, a, yeah, Carl Landry. Was on the... uh, um, there, not, not Landry. Um, I can't remember his name. There were, anyway, there were a series of those back in the day. And, and Harrison Barnes, incidentally, is included among that, too. And... Um, I think that for but for Sacramento, they get out of that obligation. They get those. They functionally buy those second round picks, which is completely fine. I I, I like it for them, and and you know, depending on how they want to do this, Tolliver and Bazemore can help them in different capacities. And if and if they don't, then they can get out the books. So yeah, I, I like this. You know, I don't love it. It's hard to love a trade when the the most important net return was clearing 1.8 million off your books and getting two deep, deep second round picks. But yeah, I, this is the type of move that I support Sacramento making. Yeah, and if you think about it, it, the actual cash was probably about two million or so in extra cash that they're going to have to pay. Well, buying two second round picks for only two million dollars is pretty good. And again, I think the Blazers, you know, certainly if they have CJ McCollum and Dame Lillard still as their core. And uh, by the way, Dame is under contract through the 24-25 season when he will be making 54 million dollars that's into the new tv deal too so we may not see as much of a rising cap there at that time so the blazers yeah and cj is under column th- under contract through the 23 24 season as well at 35 million so either those guys are gone or they're not going to be very good you would imagine uh, at that point in time good players as those guys are at this point Anything else you want to mention on this one? Uh, no, not really. I think we can move on to the other more. The well, other- I, I guess should, should we talk? I think it's one other thing is that I think for Sacramento, it's easier to not play base more than Ariza. Ariza signed there as a free agent. He was still getting minutes uh, as a backup three or four. Uh, Bazemore just was brought in. He's an expiring contract. It's very easy to just tell him, especially because he's more of a two. So this can open up a little more room playing time at that backup four, whether that's for Bagley, Bielitsa. You can play Bogdanovich more at the three if you want to bump guys up a little bit. Barnes can play more at the four. So this does actually open up a little more playing time. They had a slight log jam there. So I think it's good in that aspect for Sacramento uh, as well to get more players who are part of their long-term team more playing time and not necessarily wasted on a reason. Because as I was saying, I think they're kind of done here for making the playoffs. So it becomes more about development now for that group. Oh, one more thing since we're talking about Portland. We should mention the Rodney Hood correction as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so this is a pretty embarrassing screw up uh, by me, especially 
especially because I had it right there in my sheet. We're talking about Rodney Hood would be the most likely to be traded. Well, he, because he has the player option, he can actually block a trade because if he were traded, he could, in theory, lose his bird rights if he opted out, which of course he's not going to, but he still has the ability to block a trade. So Portland probably would love to get off of his salary as of right now, but that's unlikely to happen at this point. And they do generate that $7 million trade exception. That's something that, that could be helpful. And they could trade Hood, of course, once the league year rolls around, but they are prohibited from doing so right now. Uh, so the other significant, yeah. kind of not as significant, you could say, piece well, here, of let's, uh, let's Let's take a quick break here. Sure. Man, it is crazy to think that I've been working with Helix Sleep since 2015. And I think that's because my story with them seems to really resonate with listeners. If you've never heard it before, that was kind of the beginning of the direct-to-consumer boom. And there was another very prominent mattress company at that time that was trying to convince you that mattresses were one-size-fits-all. They found the one formula, the one mattress that was going to work for everyone. My then-girlfriend, now-wife... And I ordered that mattress. We ended up having to return it because, hey, guess what? Not everyone is the same. And then she did some more research and found Helix Sleep. We took their sleep quiz and we found a mattress that actually worked for us and our body types. And uh, Helix offers 20 unique mattresses. Everybody sleeps differently. And Helix mattresses are designed for specific sleep positions and field preferences. Hot or cold, side sleeper, back sleeper. So take that Helix sleep quiz. Find your perfect mattress in under two minutes and it's shipped straight to your door free of charge. It's no risk because you really need to sleep on the mattress in your own home. You're like, well, how should I order this if I can't sleep? I'm like, yeah, you're not going to learn anything by going to the mattress store and sleeping on the mattress where do I take my shoes off? Do I leave my shoes on? But then my feet kind of hang off the bed because I don't want to put my shoes on the bed. And is it weird that I'm laying here for more than 30 seconds? You can't tell anything under those circumstances. You might as well just order it, get it sent to your house, get that 100 night trial. They're 10 to 15 year warranty, depending on the model. And there's never been a better time to try a Helix Sleep mattress because they are offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash capspace. Easy to remember slash capspace. We talk about all the time here on the program. That's helixsleep.com slash capspace. This is their best offer yet. I can attest to that since I've been working with them for nine years. And it won't last long with Helix. Better sleep starts now. Don't forget that slash capspace URL to let them know that you came from us. Man, I just love American Giant. Just an amazing clothing company. I was reminded again of how much I love it when I drove from California to Montana over the All-Star break. And you know what it's like when you're on a long road trip and it's cold, particularly when it starts off warm in the Bay and then we get into some really cold areas. You're like, well, I don't want to wear like my jacket in the car, but then I get out to fill gas. I'm going to be freezing. But the American Giant hoodie was perfect because despite being made out of a nice heavy material that'll keep you warm it's not too hot as well so i was able to wear it in the car not be too hot step out of the car and still be warm enough when i was filling up gas or going into a restaurant or something that i didn't feel like i needed my jacket even when it was cold outside and things are amazingly durable i proposed to my wife wearing an american giant hoodie in the grand canyon almost seven years ago i still own that same hoodie i still wear it constantly and american giant has since 
spread out into all sorts uh, of other types of clothing like their premium slub crew tee the no bs high-rise pant the slim roughneck pant featured in giant magazine issue two every american giant piece is made in america and designed to last no exceptions and it provides year-round comfort so find a closet staple for every part of your spring days at american-giant.com and get 20 percent off your first order when you use that finger code cap space at checkout easy remember we talk about cap space all the time here on the program that's 20 percent off your first order at american-giant.com don't forget that cap space code to let them know you came from us so what's our next piece of news royce o'neill uh so he signed a four-year 36 million dollar extension with the jazz uh why i think this is is interesting first of all calibrating market value because royce o'neill was going to be an older restricted free agent in this super weird cap year i've done some writing about this at the athletic yeah. where they're 20 27 he would have 27 where there there aren't many teams that have more than the non-tax pyramid level which is in that like nine and a half million dollar type of range we don't know exactly what the cap number is going to be it's tied to that but you know that's a fair a fair proxy to use and giving o'neill four years 36 is you know is lucrative but it also ties him up for presumably the remainder the remainder of his prime which is a nice argument for the jazz and also utah now in this position where they don't have that many prominent pending free agents in the near term you know like they so this year it was going to be him and jordan clarkson and then um next year mitchell but with pending restricted free agency i we assume, i assume Conley's going to stay play under his eto next year and then go bear so getting some stability there kind of like they did remember they extended joe ingles those kind of moves I, I think they make some sense for the jazz the one notable repercussion for me with this beyond setting a market price for a you know a, a fringy a fringy starter or valuable backup is there was this idea that i had been kind of fixated on about utah potentially spending in 2021 which is the year when gobert and mitchell hit free agency mitchell if he doesn't sign an extension will have a comparatively modest 15.6 million dollar cap hold i'm guessing he will get paid significantly more than that so there was this idea giving royce o'neill as much money as they did limits that possibility but since he was going to be a pending free agent this summer that would have happened anyway if they were going to resign him so it isn't really an opportunity cost issue it's just a realization of cost issue yeah so this now takes utah this offseason to about four million dollars over the cap including uh, o'neill uh and their draft pick uh, which uh, they're going to keep probably uh at 25th but they can't trade uh, because part of it uh, is owed to memphis and that they'd run into stepian rule problems potentially at least until uh, the pick is made at the draft so with o'neill they've got about 24 million below the tax I'm sorry. No, I misspoke. 21 million below the tax. And they'll have full bird rights on Clarkson. They could bring him back. They also would have the biannual. They would have uh, the mid-level, which will start at about 9.8 million projected this offseason. And you can give out a contract of up to four years, 42.3 million. I think was an instructive number where this is four for 36. So a little bit below there. Then you also have the maximum extension that they could have offered him was four for 50 under that josh richardson rule where you take the 120 percent of the estimated average player salary in the year the extension is signed that would be 11.5 million and then you do the maximum eight percent annual raises off of that so o'neill i think he's a really valuable player right he he shoots it pretty well from three not high volume also an excellent defender the jazz have played really well with him you know between he and joe ingles 
to have just gotten contributors out of basically end of the roster fodder Georgian yang is down in the rotation they got three guys who are just guys that they brought in that nobody else wanted that they essentially developed into quality contributors that's very impressive when you're building around gobert and conley and that's how you have the space to go out and get a boy and bogdanovich who's been so key for them so you're probably thinking if you're o'neill you don't want to count on one of the cap space teams giving you an offer above the mid-level exception teams probably who are not cap space teams they are probably going to want the guarantee of a player who actually that they're going to get if they offer him the mid-level exception and utah probably would match something like that if he makes it all the way to the summer healthy and again that full mid-level exception number that's four years 42 million so maybe the thought was yeah you know i'm three and d i shoot it well i should be worth more than this but i'm restricted that's what happens and realistically the most i was going to get in the summer was 42 million i get some extra certainty now yeah it's six million less but i know that i'm getting it and it's possible that at least i have the uncertainty out there of an offer sheet in the summer when 42 million is your best day in the summer but you could be end up getting squeezed even worse because maybe that offer isn't out there and now utah's like well hey you're restricted why should we pay you more than what our offer is and maybe there is also even a thought uh, that this trade deadline coming up is a little bit of an impetus where if they couldn't agree on an extension and it was clear that he wanted like 20 million a year or something utah might look to move him i don't think they would because he's been an important part of what they're doing and i don't know who could replace his defense on the wing but maybe that was part of it as well in terms of this timing so it seems like both sides got to a deal that was good i think this is probably going to be a quality deal the only th- other thing i would point to danny is it seems like as valuable as these three and d guys are they often kind of seem to have the shortest shelf life in some ways well we've talked about the idea before that three and d guys can be the hardest to predict yeah and i think part of that may, might be that the shoot that shooting is inconsistent you know that the, the the three part or i mean they can age out of the d part i think we've seen that to an extent with a few different guys yeah. over the over the years as well but it might just be players who look good from that they aren't necessarily reliable shooters they've just hit a few more a few more of rimmed in over the years and so that starts to wane out yeah. i think that could be a part of the story too well and you consider the low volume that he's had right 3.5 attempts for 36 minutes that's not very much but he is shooting 44 percent. he did shoot 39 percent last year and even his rookie year he shot 36 percent. but the volume is is really not there to the point where you're like okay in another system on another team this guy is really going to have the gravity defenses are really going to respect him he doesn't have that versatile of a jump shot it takes him a while to load up that's what that low attempt number can tell you to some degree so i think he's a very valuable player he's the only guy on this utah team now who does really can try checking some of these best scores you know he's still undersized for the lebron types but he does a pretty good job uh, on traditionally size threes and smaller. But there is a little bit of risk there. If the defense slips at all, if the shooting slips at all, then all of a sudden you can go to having a, a bit of an albatross. And so I think Utah avoided giving out a contract that really has much downside risk to them. And for O'Neal, this is kind of, as you've talked about, kind of a bummer for him that the restricted free agent process works this way.
way even when you're about to be 27 like the the guys who are the hardest grinders who work to build their career and were late bloomers it seems almost unfair that they're the ones who get screwed the, the most by the rules but that's what the rules are yeah it is and so within that structure i think that o'neill did well to secure to secure that outcome early and it does it doesn't surprise me considering utah's done like i mentioned the joe ingles extension that they've done this in in the recent past and to get to get out in front of it and while i don't i don't think they necessarily saved themselves money on this deal i understand and why dennis Lindsay wanted to to lock him up and secure and the jazz have, have been such a, a positive story over this this run that they've been having without mike conley and, and that's another piece of news for them it sounds like mike conley's getting closer to coming back yeah he did return in fact on saturday night against the oh, yeah, Kings. That's right. it was a 15 minute game for him one of three all of them were threes i didn't see the game but it, clearly he came off the bench you know it seems like they're really trying to ease him back in and since they're rolling and they handled the kings pretty easily no reason not to do that and i'm sure they're going to ramp up his activity very slowly indeed and i mean i think one of the things that if you're just looking at the box score is that he was plus 10 in that game and they of course uh, have struggled with some of their backup units still think they need to take a look at one more backup front court player who would fit into their system a little bit more either offensively or defensively to really be a plus there and then they can really get their second units uh, to you know when you throw in the ball handling ability of angles and conley's uh, and bogdanovich and mitchell I mean, you've got four guys there who can all do something with the ball and and you can get at least two of them on the floor at all times should you so choose even emmanuel moutier has been playing better of late um what else we got here we don't know all of the intel on it but i think the most significant other thing that happened is the uh the nba at least for now shelving the plans for an owner's vote on a formal plan for the schedule changes in they were that vote was going to be in april they the nba informed teams per Woj that they want to continue studying and discussing the significant items we've talked a little bit about the potential changes that they could do for the final four for in the playoffs but the play in tournament and in season and so to me what this is is a clear indication that at least right now they don't have the votes and that doesn't mean they won't have them forever but it is a step it is notable that they probably don't have them right now yeah supposedly the the canard on not doing the reseeding is that like travel is going to be too hard i mean it's not like you can't just space it out a little bit more the reseeding of the conference finals i think just the overall conservatism of the league and i you know they've done some pretty good things like with rule changes and stuff you know i i would still consider the nba probably the more progressive of the leagues most progressive of the leagues but the reaction to these proposals to me has been very disappointing. Number one, because we feel that the the schedule really has to be reduced and that this could be a start of that in the regular season. Please keep listening to our show, though, guys. Uh, it seems more meaningless than ever. And just because there are too many games. And one thing I, I was thinking about is just people, there's been this topic lately. There was a, a study of, oh, like major market teams are being too focused on. I think there was another study showing that so many of the stories on the major sites or tweets are about kind of the male soap opera stuff as opposed to how great the players are and how great the games are and so for those who love the game the solution is well just focus more on the games right like that's that's what the problem is we're not focusing enough on the games we the people who are in the media don't love the game enough they're not promoting the game enough 
I don't quite see it that way. I, I don't think that it's that easy. I think part of the reason why all of this off-court drama and the player movement, which of course is fascinating to us for sure, less so the drama than the player movement stuff. You know, I don't need to know like whether Russ and KD have texted each other. You know, I don't give a shit about that. But I think part of the reason why that has a greater salience is because the stories that are happening are so ephemeral, right? You There are so many games that like you can't even remember a lot of times these epic regular season performances because then the team just plays again the next night and it's not like baseball where you have okay this guy isn't pitching again you know it's kind of a different team every day because of the who's pitching you know it's not really the case in the nba and what made that 15 16 season so unbelievable was with the warriors going for 73 wins suddenly every regular season game did matter every regular season game was an event and then i think the fact that the warriors didn't win and true or not people ascribe part of that to oh well they tried too hard in the regular season those morons which you know maybe maybe that's right maybe it's not so yeah you you can focus on the games but i think there's kind of a feeling of well okay yeah you know what if i didn't watch tonight that's fine like i'll just watch tomorrow you know <laughs> it's like or i'll watch my team's next game if i really want to see a game but you know just some game in the middle of january it just doesn't have enough meaning whereas if it's like okay we're playing each of these teams are going to play each other twice during the course of the season then whenever two teams that are actually title contenders match up in the regular season it's like really an event but you know now there's like one of these games every night and so like there isn't a feeling of like oh man like i can't miss this right because you know it's it's not gonna be it'll be three more days before there are more games or there won't be these teams aren't gonna play again uh, until maybe the finals or something like that Uh, or you know these teams won't play again until the conference finals i think that that's kind of a a big part of it so uh, forgive the long long rant here but ultimately what's bothering me here as well is just the lack of imagination overall and just the lack of being able to deal with any kind of risk like any normal business you put a certain amount of money aside for r&d to try to grow your business to experiment and yeah you know the nba does sunk a bunch of money say into china or all this overseas stuff or now it's the nba africa but how about you just sink some money potentially you don't even know if you're going to be sinking the money in or not into experimenting with the schedule and hey you know what yeah okay it's not a thousand percent guaranteed to work nothing is a thousand percent guaranteed to work if but trying this mid-season tournament reducing it to 78 games just to get the information of what happens there like if this fails it's not going to kill your business but clearly ratings are in decline you should be trying something and this isn't like some massive change it's not like we're going to 58 games right now but it might give you some information about whether you'd lose money or not if you did that or whether you could drive more interest same thing with the play-in tournament which uh, seems like yet another no-brainer so just the cowardice to not be willing to experiment like oh we're three percent of our revenue we might lose it it's like well yeah that's what a business is i also think that and this has been my white whale for a long time that the projected loss in revenue of reducing the season is overstated just because of course it is yeah people are like oh you're gonna lose you're gonna lose this money sorry i'm really fired up here now as you can tell (laughs) but (laughs) like you're like oh well you're if you reduce it to 66 games you're clearly gonna reduce the the amount of money by uh, 25 percent, and you wouldn't be willing to do that remotely true yeah like Um, i mean maybe that's true but like if number of games has a strict uh correlation with the amount of money why don't they just play a game every day no obviously you at some point you get diminishing returns for more games maybe we're at that point right now maybe we've been at that point for a long time um while i could 
and, and I've talked about this with Ethan and a few other people people in the past. I'll let, we can get back to it a little bit. Going back to what a regular season game that might matter, it's looking like Zion Williamson is going to make his debut on Wednesday. We are very excited about that. Unfortunately, we will not be doing that game for the NBA cast. We will be doing games on Martin Luther King Day, though, so keep an eye on that. We're going to be doing Lakers-Celtics, which starts at 7 Eastern, 4 Pacific, and we'll probably do the second half of the non-Zion Pelicans against the Grizzlies on uh, if the game is close. We'll, we'll keep an eye on that. Yeah, no, really looking forward to doing that, seeing uh, some live John Morant, Lakers-Celtics, uh, Anthony Davis is questionable for that one. Rondo is still out. He might be back uh, as well. In Miami, Justice Winslow is going to miss at least two more weeks, which you know it's severe if the Heat actually, like, it became clear, like, an actual timetable for an injury for the Miami Heat. Um, And then Chris Haynes reporting this, which I I think seemed kind of clear because generally when there's a report of, oh, there's talks between these teams and they're serious and it doesn't get consummated within a little bit, you can kind of presume the deal's off. But Atlanta and Detroit no longer interested uh, in a Drummond deal. I think that dovetails with the reporting we've mentioned from James Edwards, the third about how Atlanta was really only offering expiring contracts for Drummond. Um, so, and, and I think that's that's wise for Atlanta because I, I don't think that he really helped them that much. We also got news, uh, not news, but speculation from Marcus Thompson, who for some reason would be very plugged into Stephen Curry, um, that the, the current exp- current idea is that Curry might return March 1st, which is a home game against the Washington Wizards. That is not a like write it in stone type of date, but that is, it looks like kind of a target date of sorts. So the most important part of that for me is, and you would expect this from a broken bone rather than the issues that his current teammate Clay Thompson, his former teammate Kevin Durant are dealing with, that he will return this season as opposed to waiting all the way until next year. Yeah, I mean, there's really kind of no reason other than just the fact he might get hurt again. But I mean, I think they'd like to build some buzz they'd like to see who on this team actually can play well with Steph in particular how D'Angelo and Curry play together I have my opinion on what that's going to be um but also offensive superstar makes return against Washington Wizards defense seems like a smart movie he's been watching <laughs> this 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 year he's not fully checked out apparently if that's what he wants to come back and speaking of those Wizards Bradley Beal after the Wiz lost to, to the Bulls he was uh pretty upset uh carping about the whiz culture and david aldridge said that beal was as angry with and emotional about his team as he's ever been now hey he's the one who decided to stay there with that extension right he could have been traded already probably if he had turned down that extension and if he had asked to be moved and it didn't take a genius to figure out where this team was going this season so i'm not sure what it is that he's so upset about whether the, there are some personal issues going on scott brooks tried to paper everything over and he did mention that hey you know we had a, a time where we we're starting two injury exception players uh so they've not only has john wall been out but they've uh, had a bunch of other injuries uh, as well and i think it's, it's like based on those injuries to me they've actually overperformed this year um but Beal uh, apparently doesn't see that. We'll see if anything comes from that. He can, of course, be traded in the offseason, but cannot uh, this year due to that extension that he signed. Um, I'll take a quick break. I got one more topic I want to talk about of a question I posed on, on Twitter that got a lot of responses over the weekend of who is the most exciting rookie? Uh, and that was uh, spawned by one, not this year, but just like historically, uh, that was spawned by one job. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. 
the slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love, all at once. Starting at $40 a month, experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Anyone who's seen our YouTube videos knows that I don't wear formal stuff all the time. So when it's time to dress up rather than dress down, I highly recommend Inochino. They were the official outfitter of my wedding. I got my tux from there. All my groomsmen got their sport jackets from there as well. I felt really good about having them be the outfitter of my wedding because all my groomsmen were going to get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly. Because when you go somewhere else, you're not going to get something that's made for you. So why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a showroom rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor for you. And not only does Indochino have the suits that made them famous, but now they've got everything. Blazers, pants, women's wear, outerwear, designed and made for you. Hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from. European wools, linen, cottons, tons of colors, tons of patterns you can customize. Things like the lapel, the vents, the pockets. And you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style. Level up your game with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com. Use the code CAPSPACE. Use the CAPSPACE. We talk about all the time here on the program. You get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's 10% off at Indochino. I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O. Indochino.com. And don't forget that CAPSPACE code to let them know that you came from us. Morant. So the way I, I posted this on Twitter was when was the last time there was a rookie as exciting as Ja Morant? What is your answer to that? My first thought was LeBron. And I mean, that was one that was more. Yeah. I mean, this is obviously very subjective and personal. Yeah. So. Yeah, it is. That was for, you know, for, for me, there are a couple of parts of it that are, are pretty important. One, the guy has to have the ball in his hands a lot. Um, so that's going to be an interesting thing with Zion. I mean, Zion is exciting in a different way. I mean, I've been following him since he was 16, but it's, it's different and that could be better. But I mean, generally the capacity for excitement is higher, but also worth remembering how a lot of the players who became that later in their careers, even young guys like yeah. De'Aaron Fox were not that as rookies. Yeah. And Giannis I think that's was what's not, different. I mean, he had like some nice tip dunks, but like he just didn't yeah, have a, like, a large enough role. Steph Curry, you know, he, yeah. he, he got touches. He was sharing a backcourt with Monte at that point. Um, but then the other thing that I thought was, was notable was when I was going through it myself was a lot of the other players that are, you know, high on my list of most exciting rookies in the time that I've covered the NBA were all guys that missed the season. So like Blake Griffin, his rookie year was very exciting, but he missed a year. Ben, and that doesn't make him not a rookie. Sorry to Utah Jazz fans and Boston Celtics fans they still are but it is something fundamentally different Joel Embiid was the same thing Ben Simmons was the same thing and I, I think that's just kind of coincidence and it might just be also that those players built up a little bit for me but those were some of the other guys I thought of and I, you know it is different when it's the player was just drafted just came into the league and is you know as fun to watch as John Moran has been so who is who is your answer who is the guy that LeBron you, uh, oh LeBron okay yeah I mean yeah. to me now I love John Morant. I think like the dribble moves, the stuff that he can do in the air, his incredible vision, the fast breaking. They're playing at, at one of the fastest paces in the league. The dunks. I mean, and I mean, probably the biggest thing to me is like the dribble moves that are just so incredibly creative. He is just doing either doing stuff that was kind of, you know, three or four times a game. He's doing stuff where it's like and it's actually faking guys out, too. You know, it's not like. Uh, and he's just so reactive with the drill. He's doing stuff where it's like 
guys would be up 20 and like oh i'm gonna show off and do this and now he just incorporates that into his everyday game and you know twice three times a game you're seeing these highlights now like the espn official nba account has caught on and like they're tweeting out three or four jaw highlights a game um he also doesn't really have many offensive weaknesses right now too where you know it doesn't seem that ephemeral you don't feel like oh this guy's exciting but he's not gonna be that good he's gonna be really good too a lot of people were like looking at me like oh this is such a stupid question we just had luca last year and, and yeah luca is a pretty exciting rookie what and, and I want to say there's a difference between exciting and better. Like I'm yeah, not going to say he's, be- he's better than all of the all of these other ones, but yeah, an, an excitement. And like I was going back, it was fun to think about somebody that was like I, I really loved watching Brandon Roy his rookie year. Um, somebody who I was very familiar with because he went to UW when I was at UCLA. Um, but again, then then we're digging back more than a decade when I'm talking about Brandon Roy and um somebody who is already I mean due yeah. to injuries out of the NBA. Um, but yeah, it's and and Bargnani, no sorry, not Bargnani, uh, Porzingis. Bargnani was frustrating as a rookie Porzingis was interesting but a lot of those type of guys where you're like trying to figure it out I found them interesting but not necessarily exciting like I mean yeah with Porzingis it was the unicorn type stuff yeah I just Barton- like Ja. there's nobody else where I'm just like oh my fucking god like as often as I am with Ja. like well and like Chris Paul was a, Chris Paul I loved him as a rookie but like it wasn't as exciting it was just different yeah and, and I mean Darren- Paul was just like such a clinician even at that and you know he was a very exciting ball handler I mean even he had that dunk on Dwight Howard I think was either his rookie or his second year which was pretty awesome he was he was a a good athlete and and incredibly blindingly quick when he was younger but yeah I I mean I would still put Ja above him I mean when you consider he just got the whole package of uh, he's got like these awesome iso moves as well where you know he just like making guys look terrible in iso not too I think that's something that they should get to more is just letting him go one-on-one he did that a lot in college and he's just I I've never really seen him fail to create a good shot in an iso uh, as well so i mean for me luca is not quite there just because he's a little bit slower and yeah he, he's better he's got more size as good or better of a, a passer but he's just not making quite as many spectacular you know the step back is cool but there's only so many of those it's like step backs and floaters and passes whereas jaw just has a more varied group um you know donovan mitchell like his spectacular plays are all dunks i mean mitchell is probably a little bit better of a dunker than jaw just but i think jaw can kind of get to his dunks in more exciting ways uh Derek Rose is someone that was brought up but I think even Rose he didn't have as large of a role as Jai. I mean, he's playing with like Ben Gordon and Kirk Heinrich uh, on a, a team that uh, he wasn't quite given the keys as much um didn't have the passing vision of Jai. I mean some of his drives and finishes were probably more awesome which has some amazing finishes too where he's just gonna like take off from the dotted line and like figure it out um so I might even have Jai above Derek Rose at least for me personally I certainly would understand so and Blake Griffin is up there too but again he's kind of a little bit more of a one trick pony of just you know he was one of the best dunkers of all time that was uh, amazing so and i might even have to go back to like rookie vince carter um because lebron was just on a on a bad team it was his rookie year was just like a really slow year like i, I definitely believe he had the higher upside that he's gonna be awesome but i was uh like my own personal aesthetics like i'd probably have to go back to like rookie year vince carter so i i know a lot of people are, are gonna think that that's just like total blasphemy to go back that far but i that's really how i feel I, in terms of my own personal enjoyment of watching the guy i think it's just amazing and we'll we'll see where the season goes we'll see what memphis the rest of it looks like but again that's why focusing on excitement and what they can do is something different from projecting what he will be or anything else but yeah it's been it's been pretty amazing so far all right well 
remember again please listen to something else amazing which is uh the pod with hollinger this week as as we get into that trade deadline stuff watch the nba cast tomorrow anything else you want to talk about well i did those uh strategic planning session pieces for the athletic with sam vicini and seth partno those uh there are two of those out already we will have a third one out in the next few days we also did a combined breakdown of the previous not 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 the, the trade that happened today but the previous one and um which was fun you know doing that on a trade is somewhat different so we're tossing about the different ideas whether the crab part of the deal made sense for minnesota and all that and then i also did a fun uh podcast with Derek Bodner uh for Real Jam Radio talking really in depth about the Sixers what they're doing this year where it's going long term so you can listen to that as well they came out on Friday so a lot of people probably didn't catch it yet all right we'll talk to y'all tomorrow night probably do a gamer on these Martin Luther King Day games till then at Bet365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every goal every game every point every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.